That's kind of why I love Carpenter too, because his I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah, I I, I, I love that man. Like that that interview, like even even back in the day, uh, saw an interview with him on uh, the set of Halloween, where they was talking about uh, they were praising like Steven Spielberg after Jaws, and he was like, yeah, it's it's entertaining. I don't think it's good, but whatever. And it was like, yeah, but I, I I think I think Robert Altman's uh, a great filmmaker, and that hard roll of the eyes, like the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Do try to say like, yeah, I think Robert Altman's a great filmmaker. He was like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> Mommy, know what today is? It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Stygian world yawning blackly beyond. Trent's eyes refused to close. He did not shriek, but the hideous, unholy abominations shrieked for him, as in the same second he saw them spill and tumble upward out of an enormous carrion black pit, choked with the gleaming white bones of countless unhallowed centuries. He began to back away from the rip as the army of unspeakable figures, twilit by the glow from the bottomless pit, came pouring at him toward our world. Our world. Toward our world. Toward our world. Hi, I'm Candy the Final Girl. Do you read Sutter Kane? And I'm Shaun of the Dead. Oh no, not the Carpenters. <laughs> And this is The House That Screams. Tonight we are talking about the 1994 John Carpenter film, In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, we have Mac the All-Star. You want some too, buddy? <laughs> Rob, the cinema drunkie, Antiqueta. Did I ever tell you my favorite color was blue? <laughs> yeah. Dave German. I'm sorry about the balls. It was a lucky shot, that's all. <laughs> how did wait? How did I know it was Dave who was gonna be the one that picked that one? <laughs> I, I just said it like right before we came out here. <laughs> In here, we knew. We knew. Um, uh-huh. We have a returning guest, uh, Ryan Rodriguez from the Clonus Chronicle. Hi, Ryan. Hello. This is not the way to end it. Oh, this is not the ending. You haven't read it yet. <laughs> that was yeah. really great. And like Erica Wright who uh, chose this film, and so she gets to start off the conversation. A reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane were to become the majority. You would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. Anyway, I love this movie so much. I've seen it hundreds of times. Um, I don't know why it wasn't on my radar when it came out, because I am a huge uh, Lovecraft fan. Even back then, I had read all of his books, all of his personal correspondence. I just stumbled upon a copy of this film in a local video riddle store and was just trying to pick out horror movies for the weekend, grabbed it up, and 
became obsessed with it. Uh, I just, uh, especially the twist, uh, the twist in the the plot or the character development about halfway through was a really great moment for me and really memorable. So this is probably one of my top 10 favorite horror films of all time. It not only incorporates Lovecraft, it incorporates other uh, other fictional works and other films like uh, Quatermass in the Pit, references uh, King in Yellow. Uh, to my chagrin, it references L. Ron Hubbard, but I'll get into some of that discussion later. I want to hear what everyone else has to say first. Um, no one has their hand up, so I'm just going to take advantage of that. Um, I have a confession. Um, I had never seen this film previous. I was aware of it, um, but I, I just like... It, I, I just never got around to it, and I knew sort of what it was about, but I just had never watched it. So we watched this for the first time on Tuesday, and I um, I was on uh, um, some pain meds and a muscle relaxer, and that kind of gave this movie an, an, another kind of edge, like a nightmarish quality even more so. So it was kind of like a really awesome experience, to be honest. It, it was just like this really uh, interesting way to, to – to watch this film and I'm so glad that you you brought it up because um it was one of those on my list that I'm always talking about my list but I just never got around to it so um and this is uh apparently the last film in Carpenter's uh Apocalypse trilogy um starting with The Thing and which we will be discussing shortly uh Prince of Darkness in 1987 and then this film which is uh I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out uh when uh, you know how I feel about 90s horror but I will I like this one. And most 90s horror I do not like, but I really think this is an intelligent uh, film. Did you want to add? Yeah, so I had seen, I've seen this movie a couple times. Uh, like Eric, a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft um, and Stephen King. And this film is very smart. I, I love the, the Lovecraftian themes behind it. Um, and, and doing some research on this and, and the writer for this, Michael DeLuca, this is the same guy that brought us Judge Dredd and Freddy, is it Freddy's Dead? Freddy's Dead. Um, and I was like waiting for somebody to say some shit about Freddy's Dead. Which, you know, which I thought was ironic, um, to say the least. But but no, I mean, it's it, I thought it was a, a great film. I didn't quite understand it or grasp it a whole lot when I was younger the first couple times I watched it. But now that I'm older and I've, I've watched it, like, it's a lot more interesting to me now. Yeah. First, let me say shout out to you, Erica, for pushing for this, because I like wild movies that are literally wild. So I've never seen this, and uh, I'm always smoking regardless. But while watching this, man, I like the the thought that, yo, you think it's one way, but it's really going to be another way, but it could also be another way. Like, I've always said that things that make me think are even I work with people who are mentally unstable. Sometimes I question myself. Am I mentally unstable? Is this really what I'm dealing with in real life? Like, you know what I mean? So kudos to you for pushing for this. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Dave. So this film, uh, when uh, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. And in my mind, uh, his films generally fall into two camps. You've got like this, the more cerebral like this. They Live, um, Prince of Darkness, and on the other side, you've got like The Fog, The Thing, your straight-up monster movies. I'm sort of a, more a fan of those, uh, the, the Fog, The Thing, Assault on Precinct 13, 
Um, although there's something he's he's saying something in all of them, obviously. But I do like this movie a lot. This movie raises some great questions about sanity, like in our perception of ourselves, um, like what you're experiencing. How real is it? Uh, you know, how much are you a construct of your own imagination? It's 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 very interesting. It really, it, it, although it's not a Stephen King story, this to me feels like a screenplay or a book that Stephen King could have written about an author whose um, creations start coming to life. You know, he was he was real big. Uh, the Dark Tower series really delves into that a lot. Um, I was gonna add that on. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was gonna say very Dark Towerish because you know Stephen King is creating the universe and they need to keep him alive to keep. Writing it. Yeah, yeah, especially that one, the, the, the second, the last Dark Tower. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's just, it's literally him about him writing existence. And, uh, yes. And so you've got an author. Um, you're also Sutter Kane, Stephen King, you know, haha. Ha. <laughs> um, I, but I do like this one a lot. I like, I like everything John Carpenter does. Um, this one just, there are some times when I don't want to think as much. Um, <laughs> so I'll put in, you know, you know, the fog. Um, but this is a great, this is a, a great a sort of a, mindfuck of a movie absolutely uh rob dave you even like the ward you know i've never seen that and i apologize for that i've never seen the ward i'm gonna have to add that to my list i like how my man said i apologize for that like, <laughs> like he did something wrong i didn't watch it oh well, i always feel bad like but like also i'll have to admit i've never read any lovecraft so i feel this film might be out of my I haven't either. I haven't either. I haven't either. I have read it, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan, so. Um, oh my God. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Clutching her pearls. <laughs> She's a cat. Totally right. I'm going I'm to remedy that. I promise I'm going to remedy that. I mean, you don't have. I like the H.P. I mean, Lovecraft inspired other things that I do like. Sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, Dave, uh, you don't. You don't have to watch the ward if you haven't seen it. You're, you're pretty good. That's why I was oh, okay. like, <laughs> you sound okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me back. talk shit about it. Take it back, right, Dave. Yeah. Right, because because he said I'm a fan of all the Carpenter's movies. I'm like, even the ward. Like I haven't seen it. Keep it that way. Because okay. uh, I love Carpenter, but you you could do without the ward. Um, oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> going back to In the Mouth and the Madness. I'm sorry. Uh, this was this was one I I watched religiously as a kid. Uh. I also watched his other uh, effort from 1995, uh, Village of the Damned, all the time as a kid. I, w- I was fully into Carpenter there. I know people uh, like to uh, dig on it, but uh, I like Village of the Damned. But uh, yeah, uh, I always was bugged out by like the the sheer like hate the movie kind of gets. I don't, I don't know if the hate is the right word, but a lot of people seem to consider this one of his lesser efforts, and it has always bugged me out as why. Because it's, it's probably, like, one of, if not the smartest movie Carpenter has ever done. Uh, like, I've never read Lovecraft or been into him really all that much. I like, you know, like, the themes he creates and shit, but uh, I'm not getting into all that. But I, I do love the meta aspects. I really love the playing with reality and what is reality, what is fantasy. You know, and that's where what I really took to in this movie. Um I def I don't know if, if if it's too early to get into the ending. I definitely wanted to take to get into the ending, well, we but never if, do things if, in order. I mean, if you want to discuss it, go ahead. Um, yeah, especially uh, with Erica, because I know uh, with Erica, one of the things me and Erica have bonded over three things: uh, f- fucked up movies, um, <laughs> martial arts, and in the mouth of madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when she revealed how much of a fan she was, I was like, oh, me too, you know. <laughs> but um. 
the thing that always bugged me out was that uh, a lot of people saying their criticism was that in the in the mouth of madness is two thirds of a good movie with the final third being mm-hmm. bad. And I I really disagree with that because it's probably the smartest portion of the movie because it plays with those themes of reality. You know, he finds out is he a fictional character? Is he you know a real character? You know, a real person? You know. And, and I, I love that. I love stuff like that so much. Like the, the ending, especially like, you know, when he goes into the theater and he's sitting there watching his own movie and it, and it hits him and he starts to laugh uh, maniacally mm-hmm. to the point of tears. And I love that because, you know, then it hits him. It's uh, it reminds me of a, I, I hate to do this to you, Candy, but it reminds me of a, there's this uh, uh, Justice League movie called Crisis on Two Earths. And uh, uh, Batman and Owlman, Batman and Owlman have a fight. And Owlman is the alternate version of Batman. And they get into a fight where Owlman wants to destroy all alternate universes containing people. And uh, Batman tricks him and, and teleports him to another planet that's barren. There's nobody on it with this atomic bomb that he was going to use to blow up all the universes. And uh, Owlman has time to push abort to stop it. But then he stops and smirks to himself and says... It doesn't matter. And that's what the, the feeling I get like when I did the rewatch. It was like when he laughs to himself and he realizes I've been a character all, all this time. I've not been not real all this time. That's why he laughs because I don't matter. None of this matters. And it drives him fucking insane. You know, and, and it re- like everything he's been through, it realizes this has all have been a story and I was just a p- piece of this story and I don't matter and none of this matters. And it's just I, I always thought that was wonderful. I, I, I can't understand why people hate that or like just don't get it or think it's stupid or something. And I'm I just like people that really don't get it. Yeah, like, I, I, they, I, I they want it to matter. Yeah. And it's like, it, that's fucking brilliant because they do, you know, the way it plays with alternate universes and all that stuff. And uh, that's why I picked that quote because that's my favorite moment in the movie because he realizes that, you know, it, in the context of storytelling, you know, you're basically a god in yourself because you're creating, you know, you're creating an entire world, entire people, when like within this world, they live and breathe. It's like, uh, um, Last Action Hero, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's in the movie and then he comes out of the movie and then he realizes that he's just been a fictional character this whole time, you know, and and it it, it bugs him, you know. He said they give me, you know, a divorced wife and they give me a dead son, but I'm fictional, so who cares, you know? And realize everything you've gone through in your life has just been some a story that somebody has told. Filler. Yeah, and it, and it's just it's it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. So I don't know why people fucking drag on it. I feel but, like uh, it's just the people that don't get it. Yeah, you know? I like to use uh, Joel Hodgson's thing. The right people will get it. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, and when it applies to things like this, um, Ryan, let's hear from you. Yeah. So I saw this maybe when I was fifteen or sixteen. I had just gotten Netflix when they started delivering DVDs. And I watched like maybe 12 or 13 Carpenter movies uh, in a row, but not in a chronological order. So for the longest time, like the chronology of his filmography, really, I didn't have it right. But now that I have like Blu-rays and thanks to like Scream Factory and shit like that, now I know the whole thing. But even then, he's always had a really difficult 90s. Like it starts with Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which is not a good movie. 
but that's not necessarily his fault. Like he tried to make something good. Effects are good, but not a good movie. Then you have Village of the Damned, which I'm not a fan of. And then this is kind of like, I don't think he realized it at the time when he was making it, but he was actually commenting on his own career post this movie. Like from this point on, it goes down and it goes down until it gets to the point where it's like, okay, so he's not making movies anymore. And then he's out of it. He does like Masters of Horror on TV, which is not bad, but certainly not a movie. And then even the ward is like his comeback and that doesn't necessarily set the world on fire. So it's somebody who's sitting there analyzing his own filmography and analyzing his own place in the genre without realizing exactly how accurate he is about it. Like ending it by saying, oh, this is it's all a big cosmic joke, which great. But I don't think he's sitting there in the editing room going and that's going to happen to me in three years. But that's exactly what happened. And so it's this fascinating case study for me of somebody who is both self-aware and yet could not possibly be aware of what's coming next. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I like that. Um, Erica. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, what was I going to mention? Oh, in terms of the um, the great uh, twist where John Trent realizes that he's been a fictional character all along, it kind of harkens back to uh, one of Lovecraft's quotes. Let me pull it up here. So one thing he wanted people to get over was this uh, anthro uh, like anthropocentrism, anthropocentrism. Um, which was a really common trope back then and still is now where people are the most important things in the universe. He was big on this sense of, in the cosmic scheme of things, we don't matter. Uh, And he wrote this, uh, uh, a younger friend, he said, I told my friend, he was writing a science fiction story, um, that he should conceive of a man with a morbid, frantic, shuddering hatred of the life principle itself who wishes to extirpate from the planet every trace of biological organism, animal and vegetable alike, including himself. Only a cynic can create horror, for behind every masterpiece of the sword must reside a demonic force that despises the human race and its illusions and longs to pull them to pieces and mock them. So that was like a great quote from Lovecraft, and it kind of is echoed in, in the mouth of madness when... John Trent tells Linda Stiles, the sooner we're off the planet, the better. Um, Man, HP must have been a blast at a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was Buzz Killington. Yeah. And, and then in terms of the uh, the great twist, um, there's a quote from Through the Gates of the Silver Key, which was one of Lovecraft's stories. He wrote, no death, no doom, no anguish can arouse the surpassing despair which flows from a loss of identity. So it's like I knew early on that Trent was set up for something nasty because he keeps saying things like, I'm my own man, nobody pulls my strings. So it's like, his strings are going to be pulled. (laughs) So I didn't know it was going to end up that he was a completely fictional character, but I knew he was going to be fucked over in some spectacular manner. So I, I think this the twist in, in the in the mouth of madness is more Lovecraftian than Lovecraft's work in some ways. Yeah. Um, Dave. Well, the character of John Trent is, is like like Erica said, yeah, you know he's getting set up for a, for a massive, you know, fucking. He's so cynical. He, 
he even says, you know, I've seen it all. Uh, you know, he, he says something about how we're destroying the earth. We're destroying each other. We should just, you know, get it over with. He's very cynical. He's so, you know, he, he's going to be shown that he hasn't seen it all. But this is where I'm, uh, I, I'm terrified to even bring it up. But isn't there an argument to be made that that um, he is real up at least until the point where they cross that bridge? This is a discussion I wanted to have. Like, I, I don't think he's uh, from what I've seen. I don't think he's fictional throughout the movie. I think he's real um, up to the point where they cross that bridge. And that's that was very my takeaway as well, Dave. Yeah, I, I was hoping to have that discussion because I don't, you know, but I was but it- if you if you recall the uh, um, the agent that shows up at the restaurant and comes at him with the axe, he's told later that the agent read about him. And, that's true. And that's and that's why yeah. he came after him. I still yeah, but I still felt the way that you did, Dave. But there are a lot of things that say otherwise. But it does feel that way when you watch the film. Yeah, I had kind of wondered that. Too. I mean, you can kind of go back and forth on it, but if you take Kane at his word, he says this town didn't exist until I wrote it, and neither did you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's there's so much there to analyze. It's, it's more of like we need to watch this maybe five more times, you know, maybe go back and, and maybe, you know, take some detailed notes. Like, you know, it's something that can be analyzed, and I really love a film that you can do that with because um, the longevity – uh, it, it means more and more to you. you. You're you're putting a lot of thought into this, and uh, you know you don't get that a lot in horror. You know, our intelligent horror. You know, I love when a good intelligent horror film comes along, and and it's uh, has some scares. We have great effects by K and B. You know, but I mean, it's just you're you're puzzling over this fucking thing, and and I love that. So yeah, I mean, like I don't know what the definite answer is. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's my, my takeaway was yeah, that he was real up until the, and then when it goes to uh, Hobbs End, yeah, that town didn't exist until Sutter Kane wrote it. And then um, by the time he's ejected back out with the uh, with the uh, manuscript, um, the uh, evil that Sutter Kane has been trying to hold back. You know, I, that's another thing that Sutter Kane isn't even really the author of all this. He's been sort of a vessel, a channel for this evil. But he even says I can't hold them back anymore. They were, they, he's been even used. He's been used by this force to spill out into our world. And then when uh, John Trent is ejected back out into the, this intersection with the manuscript, I think that's when all the evil spills forth into our world. But I do have a point, actually, that just came up when you said that. Um, with Hobbes End, I mean, he, Trent was reading that. So that book had been out for a while. Right, so right. Thinking, you know what? Maybe he was sexual completely because I had the first, you know, like thing like, yeah, he wasn't until this point. But you know what? I think he was the whole time. Actually, now my mind just got changed. But I, I need to pause a little bit somewhere. Um, Rob. I actually uh, I was thinking of something that uh, Ryan said earlier uh, that I wanted to touch upon about Carpenter and this point of his career. And especially with the Apocaly- Apocalypse trilogy in itself, because. Um, Carpenter has always been kind of cynical, you know, uh, and this is probably his most cynical, most nihilistic, if you will. Uh, the, the, the ending of the thing, of course, like, you know, they, they defeat the thing, spoilers. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it, it comes at what price, you know, they're all basically dead by the end, but they have defeated the thing. Uh, in Prince of Darkness, 
they defeat you know the evil per se but he leaves it open-ended into like you know maybe it could come you know come back and this one is just his most cynical most nihilistic where it's just like now nah, the world ends you know fuck it burn it all down i don't care and it's like carpenter uh you you the career trajectory is you know he's he was the wonder kid after halloween and then you know after the failure of the thing he kind of just went through the motions you know uh doing stuff until like he he got to the 90s and yeah his 90s was dismal if you will and he just became like this like this angry kind of individual like he's always been a kind of angry individual you can see what the they live because he's pretty fucking angry and they live but we'll talk about that when we get there um and i think like this was at the point where he's just they like, given up you know like he lost all his passion for filmmaking and he's just like uh who, who like you know as much as i love vampires he uh th- that's obviously something you know he did for the check and he's just like who cares you know uh, Ghost of Mars is basically a fucking remake of Assault on Precinct 13. You know, he's just like, who cares? So essentially, go back to what I was saying. It doesn't matter. None of this matters anymore. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And then like you, you, you see that you see that in him now and shit. You mention movies to him and shit, and he'll give you the look to fuck off. <laughs> like, don't you dare, don't yeah. you dare talk movies with me. You know, I want to talk about wrestling or basketball and video games. <laughs> don't bring up fucking movies at all. It yeah, says a lot that his next movie was Escape from L.A. Yes. Because that is yeah. the ultimate work of somebody who is checked out. Like, yeah. completely just like, just okay, whatever, that's what the studio wants? Fuck it. Okay, sure, why not? Right, yeah. and then and then also, and but I actually like Escape from L.A., but also look at the ending of that one, where he completely fucks the world over yeah. Snake. Yeah. He yeah. just turns it off. And that's, that's Carpenter right there. Fuck all of you. I don't care. <laughs> People make me yeah, sick. Exactly. Yeah, he, was like, big fan, he was never a big fan of, uh, of humankind at all in any of his films. No. Not, he's not a cheerful guy. He'd be next to Lovecraft at the uh, snack table at the party, bumming people out. No, no. <laughs> no like, like uh, Carpenter just seems like a person to me and shit who like, wants to sit there and smoke his cigarettes and drink his beer and just like, leave me the fuck alone, dude. Talk about like, Rio Bravo a bit. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. Other people's movies, maybe, but not his own. Yeah. Monster, apparently. I, I think <laughs> I think I, I think the the worst thing is to tell him that uh, oh you're my favorite cult filmmaker which he hates you know <laughs> telling him to tell someone you're a cult filmmaker is basically telling him they were they were unsuccessful in their career right. that all their movie are cult films cult you know films. that that. That's why he doesn't give a shit that, that, that his movies are remade and shit. It's like, it's like oh, why did you allow this remake? They, they gave me a check. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, they invited me to the set. Yeah, I just told him, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck off. It will buy me how many spring houses? Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Why not? That, that's Car- <laughs> that's kind of why I love Carpenter, too, because his I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah, I, I I love that man. Like that that interview. Like even even back in the day, uh, saw an interview with him on uh, the set of Halloween where they were talking about uh, they were praising like Steven Spielberg after Jaws, and he was like, "Yeah, it's it's entertaining. I don't think it's good, but whatever." And he was like, "Yeah, but I, I I think I think Robert Altman's uh, a great filmmaker, and that hard roll of the eyes, like the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> Do try to say like, yeah, I think Robert Altman is a great filmmaker. He was like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> like, 
So like I always thought like he had that a bit in him, but like the, the you know as we, as he went through his career, it just became more and more to the point where he's just like I, I don't want to call him a cranky old fuck, but he's kind of a cranky old fuck now. But I, I he's a, he's a lovable cranky old fuck, and and I love the man, and uh, I love I love that he still had enough juice to him to push this one out because this this is definitely his last great movie. You know, it was probably the only great movie he had. I mean, I love vampires, but I love it just because it's excess and the extreme. You know, yeah. he's just it's, it's a pure paycheck movie. He doesn't care. You know, just gore, fucking James Woods doing his shtick in a in a leather jacket. And, you know, it is what it is. But he's like, all right, you know, I'll give it one last shot. You know, oh, yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, go fuck yourself, all of you. <laughs> this is the last time where his name above the title actually says something about the movie. Yes. Yeah. After this, it's kind of like, well, yeah, my name's above the title, but so that's what all my movies are like. Like, yeah. what do you expect? Doesn't, to do? doesn't quite hold as much weight. Right. Yeah. This is this is ownership in this yeah. case. This is him saying, this is my thesis statement. This is what I have. And then everything else after that is basically, well, they expect me to say this is John Carpenter's X, Y and Z. But yeah. this is when that meant something. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, you know. Kudos to him for giving it one last shot, you know, getting it all out. That this, like this is the uh, basically him clearing off his desk in, in my eyes, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, let me get all all these wild crazy ideas. Let me put it all in there and then just whatever. I'm just I'm just smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. Do I need this paperweight? No, nah, I don't need it. Chuck yeah. it. Yeah, most definitely. So so before I slide this over to Erica, I'm gonna pull a candy and hijack real quick. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite characters in this is uh, Francis Bay, who plays the adorable Miss Pickman, um, <laughs> who is named after a my favorite H.P. Lovecraft story, Pickman's Model. Um, and the fact that she abuses the fuck out of her husband. <laughs> and, you know, he talks about, like, you know, the, the, the little old lady that kills her husband with the axe. And, you know, a little bit later, you see her husband naked, chained to her leg underneath the desk. And this this woman, I love this woman. I She was in Twin Peaks. She was in Blue, Belt, Blue Velvet. Um, and I just the second I saw her in this because I, I was I was watching Twin Peaks when it was on TV back in the 90s. And the second I saw her, that was the first thing I thought of was her role in Twin Peaks. Um but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because she's great. She was also the grandmother in Happy Gilmore. Yes. Yes, I was thinking yes. of that. I love her. See her come out, you. you know some weird shit's going to be going on with her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. cute old lady. Double mm. sir. And you're not disappointed. No. <laughs> Erica. Oh man. Yeah, I think the entire cast is phenomenal. Um, I always love Sam Neill and everything, but um, I feel like. Julie Carmen deserves more recognition too. Uh, she was really excellent in this movie. Um, but oh yeah, Jurgen Prosh now. Love him. Huge crush on him in this role. It's like I'm just a weirdo that way. <laughs> I wanted to mention another potential um, influence on this uh, on the screenplay, which is the Robert W. Chambers short story collection called The King in Yellow which uh, that was published in the late 1800s. I don't remember the exact year, but the King in yellow is about a fictional play called the King in yellow um, or play slash book, you know, the plays for the people who don't read. 
And the book and play literally drive people insane. Um, and it's described that this book, uh, that the translated copies spread through Europe like an infectious disease. And people who read it or watch the play believe they are characters in that story and just lose their minds and commit acts of violence. And there is a character in the story whose name is Trent. So I thought this might be um, another influence. The less happy, um, <clears throat> well, there's there are a few other influences that, uh, like, as far as I know, um, DeLuca did not mention The King in Yellow as one of his inspirations. He mentioned a, a meta uh, novel that was more comedic, I think, called The Land of Laughs, where the main character ends up in a fictional town and meets the author who created the town. And uh, uh, so I mean, he, like, even told that author, yeah, I got part of the idea for this movie from your book. Um, but to my chagrin, apparently there's also um, Sutter Kane is supposed to be based somewhat on L. Ron Hubbard. And this is the, the moment in the podcast where the Church of Scientology is going to categorize me as a suppressive per person because. I'll gladly accept that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a badge of honor these days. Yeah. I, I had to look into the particular uh, stories and other than just the big concept of you have a fiction writer who becomes sort of godlike or worshipped like a god by his followers, which I, like that's the big picture part. But he did write a couple stories that kind of fit in the theme of this. There was one called Typewriter in the Sky. Uh, where the main character hears the sound of someone typing, but up in the sky, and he starts to suspect that he himself is a fictional character and that it's God who's, or, you know, so God to him, some writer is writing his life, basically. And he ends up coming out of the overtly fictional scenario back into his real life, but then he is forever after that questioning whether he's a real person or not. He may just be completely a work of fiction. And then the other one, I wish I actually could find a copy of this story. Apparently, it was never published. Um, it was a story called Excalibur, uh, which uh, the stuff that Hubbard said about it himself is super cringy. Um, he decided to not publish it because he thought it would literally drive readers insane. And he says um, the work will give the power, I'm quoting, to rape women without their knowing it, communicate suicide messages to your enemies as they sleep, uh, sell the Arroyo Seco Parkway to the mayor for cash, evolve the best way of protecting or destroying communism, and other handy household hints. And he also wanted uh, to have some kind of legal waiver that people would sign that would release him of liability if they went completely insane after reading it. I bet Tom Cruise read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he owns the only copy. You know, Erica, I just yeah, got like, I, I, I to say, Erica, you, you've shit on uh, Scientology. You've shit on QAnon. Yes. What's next? Um, yeah, maybe maybe listeners could um, send in some requests of yeah. what system they want <laughs> me to shit on next, and I'll form <laughs> you. The Girl Scouts. Please yeah. do the Girl Scouts next. <laughs> Those Samoas, they cost too much. I want to see them get mad. But they're so good, though, the Samoas. That's my jam, yeah, the, man. The, the thin mints are caramel. Fuck. I actually don't like the Samoas. Oh, I like can I have the yours? Cookies. I'm a thin mint guy. 
Me too. I like thin mint. I, I can't control myself around thin mint. I like the lemon cookies. Those are good. What is it? The Adams Family movies? Are those made from real Girl Scouts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. That's great. So anyway, there's my. There's like part of my um, weird rant on some of the influences and potential influences on this film. And after when I when I come back again, I'll share my weird fan theory about Calvinism and maybe we can get into some Joe Bob Briggs style biblical exegesis or, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Mac. Uh, no, I just wanted to touch on what uh, David said earlier. The question of uh, reality, what is reality? Like, you know, uh, multiple movies have tried to hit on this subject, like uh, when they touched on it in The Matrix, you know, because you could smell it, see it, touch it, taste it. Does that make it real? So the people that, yeah, they were written, but to them, they could touch it, taste it, see it, smell it. They have families. So is it not real? You know what I mean? And that's why I love movies like this, that because any one of us here right now can't tell me they haven't once questioned like, yo, is this real? Like, is this really happening? Or is this a joke? So, uh, kudos. <laughs> Every day, a hundred percent. Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, I was such a, um, a strange child that, you know, we're talking about the questioning of reality now, I'm trying to, like, do this carefully, but, you know, when I was, like, six years old, I started questioning, like, you know, like, 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 theological stuff, okay? So, it was kind of like, is, is there some big power in the sky that's, you know, creating, uh, that created life, and, and how can that be? You know, I'm, I was such a logical, I mean, I'm still a, a very logical person, so I was like, how can I, I don't understand any of this. And, and if it is, are, are we like a game to some power in the sky or whatever? You know, like I, I was six years old, like what the fuck? Like I'm questioning re- religion. I'm questioning all this shit. But yeah, definitely um, in my younger days. But I mean, like I can go so deep with that shit. And that's something, you know, like we could talk about this all night this kind of stuff you know i think at one point you know like like max said then at one point or another we all have these questions like these really deep meaningful questions and and that's what i like is, is in this film is that you know like you can watch it once twice three times and you still have fucking questions you know and you see him questioning and you start to like think about your own life and you question and and i, I really like that when a film can just kind of invade your life and uh get in your brain like that and it, I just think it's just a, a stroke of genius. Um, this film is completely criminally underrated. Um, and I am so sorry that I uh, did not get around to it before. I just, uh, you know, shit happens. It was on my list, though, the, the famous list, um, which I tried to I get around to I blame Rob watching. for mine not seeing it because he said he loved it since he was a child. And I've never heard of this damn movie. Well, <laughs> I blame you, bro. You want to be playing video games, motherfucker? Like, you know, I was like, I was in my ear like, yo, but check this out. So at least I'm like, you, damn, you, I heard of it. You wasn't giving a shit. The only thing you gave a shit about that I recommended as far as horror was Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. And that, <laughs> and that's because you found the little kid funny and shit because uh, <laughs> I remember he was like, he was holding the baby. Leave her alone. He was like, he looks like he's, he looks like he's taking a shit. And that was the <laughs> 
And that was the only reason Mac liked that movie. I'm saying, though. Could have said something. I tried. I tried. I always tried. But, yeah, and um, I just wanted to also, like, touch on what I was kind of saying about Lovecraft earlier. Um, I kind of explained myself. Um, I love a lot of stuff that has been created from Lovecraft's works. But, like, Lovecraft's works itself is, is just not really my thing. But there, there's so many of my favorite people were inspired. Just like, okay, I don't fucking like Roger Corman, but I love the people that he inspired. I love what they created. I think what he did was shit. But he, he inspired other people to do great things that I enjoy. So, um, you know, and I think that's my case with H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, I have read stuff and I keep, tr- I'm still in, in the search of something that's really just going to wow me, but, you know, maybe it's just not my taste, but, you know, Stephen King, I mean, it's so, it was such a heavy influence on him that it's hard to deny that, you know, he he's inspirational, you know, and he definitely has some great ideas that, you know, I, I think other people have done better things with, but, um, yeah, so we've got, we've got a lot of things that I really enjoy in this film and, uh, the Sutter Kane could have easily been a K for Stephen King, but, you know, Carpenter had done uh, Christine and, uh, you know, he and Stephen King were friends. I'm sure they had a little wink and nod laugh about it, but. But if you make it like a one-to-one SK, then it, it takes out any chance that anything else can be inferred into it because then immediately right, people start right. looking so at it. So what about exactly. Stephen King is this? So. Mm-hmm. Partially, it's probably because, you know, they're chummy and he doesn't want to make it seem like I'm not slamming you. But at the same time, it's also if I make it just different enough, people will understand that it's not just a simple correlation. Like there are clearly other influences at play here. Yeah, definitely like more space to think and to theorize. And um, I mean, I think that's some of the joy of this film is just the theories and and just what you can come up with it um, from this thing. Um, and I will stop talking. Uh, Dave, I, you were next. Yeah. Uh, so one of my favorite things in this movie, and it starts out right at the very beginning, is the sense that's, that whatever is going to happen has already started to happen. You know, like when uh, he's first brought into the insane asylum, they say, is he one of them? Um, and he says, it must be getting really bad out there um, for you guys to be here. I love that. That goes back to my love for Night of the Living Dead and the radio announcer in that in that film for radio and then television when they find the tv is that you're getting bits of story from uh, a third party observer but you're not <coughs> allowed to witness what's going on so your imagination fills in those gaps that was always my favorite part of night of the living dead is listening to the the radio and then the tv announcer uh, describing what's going on in the real world but you know with but you're left to fill in the blanks with your mind and i love that about this um and even when towards the end when he's in the cell uh and um, you hear the screaming outside the cell. The lights are flickering. And you hear the screaming. There's shit going on outside there, but you're not allowed to see it. And then when he comes out, everything's already happened. It's just I love that it gives space for your imagination to fill in. Like there's claw marks on the doors. And there's blood. <laughs> I love that he just picks up some random towel and wipes his face off as he's walking out. You know, everything's covered with blood and papers and stuff. And he's just like wiping his face off and walking out into this new world. Uh, I, that That's I, I love that. I love an, uh, a uh, fiction that gives your mind space. Everything's not presented to you on a platter. It gives you your mind space to fill it in. Because the shit that I can come up with up here, I guarantee, is is more fucked up than 
you know, a lot of the shit. To you, yeah. It's if yeah, right. more personal because what, what scares us the most is something only we know, and that's where our mind's going to go, and that's beautiful. It's the cinematic version of the theater of the mind with radio. Yes. And giving just enough leeway so that the audience can bring their own perspective to it. Yeah, and when, and right, and when, so you know what scares you more than anybody else, or what right. interests right. you, what horrifies you, right? And you're, uh, and yeah, uh, and I, I do, I do love that uh, those parts of this film when it's just you're hearing little bits of the radio, or you're catching little bits of conversation that are implying something horrible is going on just outside these walls, but we're not going to show you, we're not going to tell you. Just you, you fucking run with that. And that way you can also make it on a budget. You don't have to have the <laughs> yeah. apocalyptic action. So right. it's, it's that that uh, feeling of economy that he learned from making Halloween, but applied to something completely different. But it yeah, works less, less so well. More, right? I Yeah, less yeah. is more. Um, I mean, I love the, the gore. I'm sorry, I'm taking over for a sec. But uh, I love the gore in this when we have it. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, we're talking about KMB, but... Um, a lot of, it's a lot of tentacles and gooey. Yeah. <laughs> they did a great fucking job, especially with the, the you know, when he's running through the, the tunnel, the wall oh, yeah. of monsters. Oh, what, yeah. What was that? <laughs> it was actually, um, they built it. It was actually really heavy and took a lot of people to operate it. And it's sort of like this, it had, it was like on a track, but people had to operate it and, and all the things would move on it um they called the wall of monsters and i guess uh they ran over greg nicotero's foot and he had to go to the hospital it was so like big and heavy you know and, um, and there's a cthulhu on it too yeah yes i mean and that's that's one of the parts where we do see something but i um some of it is just best left to uh our imagination i like that I actually like movies that have a little bit of a budget crunch because you have to get real fucking creative. Look at Romero. I know. Here we go with Romero. But, I mean, he's best without a budget. Don't give this man money because he will invent some shit and it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, no, no, so no, no, no. Whenever you talk about Carpenter, you have to talk about Romero. They're such, they're, they're, their careers the, the, are such The four horsemen. Tracks. Yeah, they're just parallel tracks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Two of the four horsemen right there. Uh, Carpenter's the only one left of the four horsemen. As we were talking about last episode, um, and and while we're talking about effects, can I just say the little girl that says it's mommy's day? Uh, yeah, isn't that awesome? Uh, I love that. And the fact that the dog has three legs. And that's uh, right. That whole scene was creepy. Like, Those where kids. Where's that fourth leg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they, they had to find a real dog that only had three legs that ran away during filming and they were trying to lure it back with hot dogs or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And the dog's like, no, motherfucker, I lost this one. I ain't coming back there. Yo, I would have <laughs> blasted one of those kids in the head with that ball so hard. Yeah. Creepy ass kids. <laughs> ran away or something because you're like, we're you. You'll I take can take all of them. And I'm like, take oh, power driver. There's baby kids. <laughs> For, for me, the best effect is the eyes, which for the longest time I thought was a CGI thing, but it's actually a contact that was put in their eyes. Oh, like and the split the, Irish? You yeah, know, like, the split, like yeah. the split retina. Yeah, the retina, yeah. It, look, it looks so good. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, um, you know, KMB, like, they, they were just the big powerhouses at the time with effects. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, Greg, Nick Terra is still doing... Walking Dead and now Creep Show and stuff like that, but um, you know, KMB is no more. But at that time, they were like the powerhouses of effects. This is the year after Army of Darkness, which is their biggest production up to that point. Yeah. Right, right, and fantastic job with Army of Darkness. Oh, um, oh yeah, Erica. 
Okay, so um, have any of you uh, purchased the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray of this? Yes. There is a new director's commentary. There, the original director's commentary that had the cinematographer on there with Carpenter was super boring. Like, it's probably interesting if you want to do cinematography and then you learn the technical stuff, but like the whole movie was just all technical talk, and I was like, ugh. There's a new commentary track that's John Carpenter and Sandy King, and there's a lot of really funny behind-the-scenes stories about the making of it. Um, a lot of stories about Bob Shea being really cheap and that he kept changing no, really? it word. Uh, so yeah, they end up making fun of Bob Shea quite a few times in that. Like, If I recall correctly, he suggested that they film on location in some town where, like, uh, or the people who lived there had all got cancer and like severely ill. And it's like, yeah, let's not shoot there. He's like, well, just think about what you're missing out on. <laughs> we got it on the cheap. Now, yeah. can I ask, I listened to the technical commentary, which as you said, is very boring, but it's also like every Carpenter commentary where he narrates it. Like you're blind. Like you're not uh, actually watching the movie as it's going yeah. on. Does he do that in the other commentary? He do that. Right. It's not pronounced in the new one. There, yeah, it's he does occasionally talk about like, oh, in this uh, this particular tracking shot, I did such and such. But a lot of it's more of the stories about how the actors got along on set and what they were like to work with and the three-legged dog running away. I mean, just like cool, like much more interesting stuff to listen to than. Um, than the technical stuff about the cinematography, which if I were a cinematographer, that'd probably be useful as hell. But since I wanted to learn more about, you know, like what the intent was behind the movie and like what the people were like, it was not my cup of tea. Um, so yeah. Oh, on the topic of um, belief systems, I'm going to shit on. Um, <laughs> so there's like a, a, conspiracy theory that we're all living in a simulation like we're all in a video game or something so like the matrix kind of thing who, who no. would code a game this boring and like why would someone code in <laughs> things like back pain hey, you don't know my life yeah back and, pain yeah i'm sick of that and, shit like, write me out periods and like just like like why would anyone write this into a video game what would the purpose be that's like so no horseshit i refuse to believe that um, but also other beliefs I'm going to be negative on, and now I'm going to get um, blacklisted by five-point Calvinists everywhere. My, my oh, favorite theory about this, I know, is it, it's sort of a very Calvinistic movie. So if you're familiar with this type of Christian thought, there's kind of two big camps as far as beliefs in how salvation works. The, there's the Armenian camp where people, for the most part, have free will, and they can choose to accept God's invitation of salvation or not. If you're Calvinist, people have zero free will and God chooses some people to save and other people to send to hell just for the lulls because that's what God enjoys. So in the hardcore <laughs> Calvinism Calvinist hardcore. worldview, God is basically a hack horror writer because he doesn't give people free will. He gives them the illusion that they have free will. And then he condemns them to torment just because he likes that plot point for some reason. So there's my, my odd connection to. Well, our, our audience is getting smaller and smaller. Well, I don't know, I don't know how many Calvinists are, are listening, but um, I don't think any are, but still, yeah. you know, Maybe we lost some of them with, like, the Trump supporters that probably quit listening a long time ago. Yeah, if they listened to be good with. <laughs> yeah, which 
Trump. Because we blasted them like so much. Mormons, you're next. Watch out. (laughs) Put on your holy undergarments because we're coming for you. Pentecostals, you're next. Oh, yeah, please, Pentecostals. You snake handlers, we're taking you down. (laughs) I want to, like, slap some Wiccans around, too, just to be sort of equal opportunity. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm Glock on all this shit. (laughs) As long as I can punch a goth kid. (laughs) (laughs) Only permitted, though. (laughs) Only if they're an asshole. (laughs) We're we're going for the assholes here. Uh, Dave? It's interesting that Erica brought up the... um the theory that's it's been in a lot of the science news lately that there's these scientists who claim they can prove that we are living in a simulation. And, and I think you can drive yourself insane with that sort of thought. And since I'm so intellectually lazy, I'm able to disconnect at some point. Like, so if I am living in a simulation that's created by beings, God or aliens, whatever, that are so advanced, they can create this simulation. But I might as well just live out this simulation the way that they write it because I have I can't control it anyway. I'm just going to be me. I, I think some people can't disconnect from that and they follow the, down that wormhole to insanity where you know like the chicken or the egg, which came first. You know, you can you can drive yourself insane thinking about things that you absolutely can never prove or disprove. So I'm just going to fucking you know eat my Reese's peanut butter cups and live and you know what I mean. I, I think at at some point isn't it pointless to pursue it any further? If your ultimate theory is something you can't escape from anyway? Um, I have read some studies by uh, neuroscientists who say that humans have some free will, but most of it, like maybe maybe 90% of our choices and our personalities are just encoded in us. Like it's not free right. will at so all. You right, so you write how much of it is based on like, right, yeah, past experiences like- and the way you're... I wanted to throw in at this point because where where this conversation is going, uh, we're gonna it's kind of entering the area of uh, Kurt Vonnegut writings. Most people are familiar with like Slaughterhouse Five, um, but I like stuff like Galapagos. Is he's one of my favorite writers. He's from Indianapolis. Um, he's he's been dead for a while now, but uh, you know I did get to see him uh, back in the day because I was reading him when I was really young. Like that's usually like college courses but i really i was reading in high school and shit but like galapagos cat's cradle shit like that i mean it it all goes and breakfast of champions really break it breaks it down if you want to read stuff in that vein um go read some vonnegut um some people call him a sci-fi writer i don't like sci-fi and i don't see it that way um it's more like think pieces but um we're getting into to sort of that area um of thinking as, as this is progressing. So, you know, um, I'm just going to throw out there, you know, maybe check out a uh, or cat's cradle and, um, come back to me. Um, because I, it, it will change the way that you think it, it's sort of like this film, but I mean, it also, it, it covers sort of these themes of, you know, sort of what Dave was touching on, you know, does it, is this a simulation? Is this real? Does it matter? You know, really breaks down complex thinking into like these simple things that are so simple that they're actually complex again. And it's like completely fucks you around. And, um, you know, I, I didn't even make that connection until now, but it all, it all goes back to that. And I'm like, that's interesting. So here we just had a Kurt Vonnegut tie in with this film. So there's just another thing to add to it. Just want to throw that out there. 
if I can add something to that Carpenter commentary, yes, his commentaries are usually really dry unless Kurt Russell was a part of them. And then, <laughs> yes, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a good. His commentaries with Russell are the best ever. Like, you like especially Evil Dead Two commentary because that was really like peak. But, yeah, yeah, that one is, is peak for me. But the 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 Big Trouble in Little China one is pretty fucking close. Yeah, well, well, we at one point like in that one, of that. In, we haven't listened to it. I'm gonna listen to it now. In Big Trouble in Little China, at some point they just stop talking about the yes. movie and start talking about uh, Russell's son's uh, <laughs> baseball game, and that's Wyatt Russell, who's now yeah. Captain America in the MCU. I, I think it was a, the, a hockey game and like oh the, hockey that's right that's yeah. right yeah not baseball, he, he, yeah, he was right. yeah, he, he was a uh, he was playing hockey at the time and he was like oh did you go see him he was like oh yeah I took all the whole week I was there and like the whole thing you know they really just stopped talking about the fucking movie like you can literally hear the beers cl- uh, clacking open and you can hear him lighting cigarettes the entire time oh he yeah will go into the mic and you can hear his lighter. It's oh, it's it's delightful. That's me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is that's probably my second favorite underneath the Evil Dead Two comic. Evil Dead Two it's, is really like the best of the best. Although I did just get that collector set of um, Night of the Creeps, and they have like so many different commentaries on there, like you know the technical people, and then they've got the actors, and they've got so I have to listen to, like all these different commentaries for that. But uh, you know, have you heard the the Cannibal the Musical one? Where they no. get drunk as they're watching it. No, but I, <laughs> at a certain I've point, the they break film. the machine recording them. <laughs> and they go silent for like eight minutes. And when they come back, everybody's just dazed and completely boozed up. Just like, oh, I don't know what happened. We broke something. I, I don't know. What's going on, man? It's, oh, my God. It's the greatest thing ever. That's funny. I haven't seen that in so long. It was a million years ago when I saw that. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what do you guys think about um, Rutger Hauer being considered for Sutter Kane? Hmm. That, w- that would have been great. W- yeah, that would have been an excellent choice. I know, I know, like I think I can pretty much say we're we're all Rutger Hauer fans. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we've discussed him before. And and there was a, a list of people for uh, John Trent's part: uh, Tom Berenger. Uh, he would have been good. Yeah, James Wood. No. Oh no. No. no, not now. I don't, no. I, don't, I don't. I don't want coked up John Trent. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Keaton. Ooh, I, I interesting. Can, I can see that. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Sorry. <laughs> Let's get nuts. Uh, Ray Liotta. Nah. Uh, not in that role. Smells like apples. Yeah, he got a Dave nose. <laughs> and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Who would have been great, I think. As well. Yeah. I, I mean, think so, so that means strong choices, but I'm really glad that it it, it went to Sam Neill, who is just an amazing actor. I mean, he's just very impressive in everything. So. Um, and at the same time, uh, Gabriel Byrne was getting ready to do Usual Suspects, so that would have been a completely different thing. Yeah. 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 Who is Kaiser Sosa? No spoilers. Who is Spartacus? Well, I guess that means it's time for reviews. And uh, I'm going to go first. It's funny, too. We got so metaphysical in the conversation. It was like, where else do you go from there? So, fuck it. Let's just go to reviews. Right. (laughs) I mean, Matt, you're muted. All right. Give me one one thing. Uh, When um, the scene where um, she comes out of the car upside down and twisted around, 
Yeah. Something that wasn't like the Exorcist Spider Walk vibe, didn't it? Yeah. Was, I, yeah. Yeah. The same yeah, thing. Was like, and just as creepy, just as creepy. Yeah, it's it was yeah. really well done. I guess it was a contortionist. Uh, yeah. And Great they shot. had made a mask of her upside down, and then they were directing her by sound because she couldn't see clearly. Yeah. But it, it was that was actually a contortionist like doing that was fucking amazing. Yeah, so I mean, all the monsters in this are are unsettling. But, oh, um, but something about that particular, something about the the body posture and contortion in that scene, mm-hmm. just like in that scene the, in the Exorcist, which was edited out of the death, was really I, unsettling. I will tell you, I, I'm sorry, I just jumped in my head, and I don't want to no, forget no. it. Um. That that scene where they're in the car that right before that part happens, I had Halloween three vibes so hard because we think about it in Halloween three it's Tom Atkins yes. and you know they're in the car and you know he doesn't know that she's one of them and and then she turns on him and it, it had that vibe. It's I mean, absolutely, that, did. absolutely. The whole car thing with it's like Groundhog's Day and he keeps yeah. going <laughs> back over and over and she, she and I even looked at each other and she's like why doesn't he just fucking drive through him? Because this was the first time she'd seen it, and I'm like, um, fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mode motherfuckers down. They're all like threatening and shit. I'm like, I would have not paused. There would not have been a second drive-through. I would have been like, bye. Yeah. Yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> I'm going back to the future. <laughs> Most definitely. So, um, and, if I, and as, as far as the effects go, I, I the the cop too. I love the way that the makeup the they shit did out of me. for the. The, the, yeah, the part where he sits down on the couch and he oh, turns. And the oh, my buddy, my buddy over here. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 what the fuck? <laughs> and that is so, that is it so got me. And it wasn't like I jumped. It was just like my heart jumped. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it's like that creep show jump scare that's not really a jump scare because it's nothing came at you. It's just he turned like Leslie Nielsen with turns and there they were. It was like that. He, Turned and there he was. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Well, I think that scene, the, the scenes with the cop are important um, as far as John Carpenter's psyche. Like the first time he sees the cop, it's a normal cop, but he's mm-hmm. beating the absolute shit out of a kid who apparently just was spray painting some graffiti because you see the spray paint can. That's John Carpenter. He's no fan of authority figures. No. He is not a fan yeah. of police. Neither was Romero. Right. Neither was Romero. Exactly. And so that first scene, it's the cop is actually normal. He's just beating the shit out of a kid because that's what cops do in, you know, Carpenter's world. Can do. <laughs> and then later on, he becomes this pig monster guy. But at first, he's a normal cop beating yeah. the shit out of a teenager who was spray painting. I, I like that. That that's and a, they that's make a, it they make it a point to show that that you yeah, know that no. he's being especially brutal. It's brutal enough that you know that uh, Trent stops and looks as he's whacking the shit out of this poor kid. That yeah, that's Carpenter. Right you there. want some too, buddy? Right. <laughs> that, and what did Carpenter, he do though? Like most people will, just back up, go around the corner. That I mean, that's some real shit. Because most people are like, I'm not getting involved. If that isn't the human race, like I don't fucking know what it is. Mm-hmm. Because that most people are just, I mean, and there are people who would try to get involved, and but but the majority of people are just like, that's not my problem. I want to worry about myself. Carry on. Mm-hmm. But they did make a point of us seeing the face, and then. Later, after he's done some reading, seeing it again, like that was intentionally shown to us. So you know, to do yeah, that cop, that cop was a monster before he became a monster. Right? Exactly, yeah. but then yeah. you really saw like his real face. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So yeah, good point. Um, 
Oh, oh, can we just shout out some of the other cast members we didn't mention? Oh, like, yeah, Ber- yeah, definitely. Like, like, like Bernie Casey. I know he's in there briefly, but uh, shout out to Bernie Casey, who unfortunately is no longer with us. Also, uh, Carpenter regular Ber- uh, Peter Jason, who's mm-hmm. been in a shitload of uh, Carpenter's movies. I think the first one was uh, Prince of Darkness. Um, I think he did the commentary with Carpenter on uh, uh, Prince of Darkness, where, where they related how uh, Victor Wong left them hanging in, in the middle of a scene and shit. Uh, but I, 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 I'll bring that up when we get to Prince of Darkness. And also, of course, uh, Mr. Vigo the Carpathian, who's yeah, one yeah. Of, yes. who's uh, uh, of course, I always noticed him and say, hey, it's Vigo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my dude. And he, and he got, I would raise my hand because he's got, I think, one of the more important lines in the film. He actually explains what's going on to Trent. He says, you know, uh, I can't even, he actually says, I can't even remember um, who came first. You know, if we were here first or, I can't remember the line, but he, he says, you know, he, he's, um, doesn't even know if he's a written character. And then when he goes to kill himself, he says, I can't help it. I'm written this way. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he had one of the more interesting um lines in the movie i forgot what was the line i he says i can't remember who if we were here first or if book yeah or if the book was first but that yeah yeah that's a little um he's sort of the um soul of the movie speaking out to john trent i think saying hey so you shouldn't be sure either Mm -hmm. you know i'm not sure and i live here and then he blows his head off and because i'm written this way little jessica rabbit vibe there (laughs) <laughs> Which yeah, gets me very it, with a little uh, darkness to it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I loved, I loved that it was Vigo. I'm like I know that actor. I looked him. Oh, it's Vigo. Vigo. Mm-hmm. Been a bad monkey. Yeah. <laughs> now, it would have been great if his ghost came out of his dead body like the weasels at the end of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> But also, uh, uh, the uh, the final, the, the one of the uh, bigger um, cast members, Mr. Charlton Heston. Oh yeah. Yes, I was I was gonna mention him. Good good call. Yeah yeah yeah. You gotta bring up Charlton Heston, you know, because he's legend. legend. I don't like him, but he's a legend. Oh uh, oh, I I, I I get it. I get it. I immediately when she said it. Uh, oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. The, no, I got I got to shout out the man because uh, Ben Hur is one of my all time favorites, and and I love that movie. Oh, Ten Commandment. I really do like. Yeah, yeah. Tank, well, oh, mostly tank. because of Yul Brenner, because I'm a huge Yul Brenner fan. And of course, uh, uh, Mama Munster. Um, the, but uh, yeah, got to uh, That was a big thing to have Charlton Heston in there. The. Well, yeah, yeah. And this and he, is the same year as True Lies, which he's also in very briefly. Yeah. Yeah, this is funny enough that they, they cast him in True Lies because they needed someone who who could believably. Uh, um, uh, intimidate Arnold Schwarzenegger, so they went to Charlton Heston. <laughs> Charlton and Heston then they added the iPad. The, job. Mm-hmm. the iPad was added. Yeah, to make him more intimidating. But you, you know, he's Charlton Heston, so yeah, yeah, he's no, been no. her. He's the Omega, Omega Man. Omega Man. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. He's Moses. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. When I think of him, I not. I. I mostly think I used to watch Ten Commandments a lot just because he said he's a runner, but. Um, that's what I think of him from, but I just don't agree with his like personal thoughts, but as an actor, uh, when he's not chewing the scenery, which he is well known to do, um, he's, you know, there's, there's good stuff in there. Oh yeah. He really does. Just he look can at the, scenery. 
Oh yeah, look at Planet of the Apes. Uh, the, Fuck, yeah. One, oh like oh my god, like tone it down, Captain Kirk. Okay. Yeah, his, no, oh my god, no, there's one moment at the at the end of uh, uh beneath the Planet of the Apes and shit after he shot the uh, Taylor Zayas. It's Doomsday. Yeah. It's like, yeah. like Jesus Christ, dude. Over the goddamn top, like dude, no, chill. <laughs> And of course, but, I mean, the, um, that's part of that's part of the legacy of right. Charlton Heston. But you know, when he's great, he's really, really great. Um, yeah, and in the Ten Commandments, even though like he was a little too white for that role, um, oh, you yeah. know, that's why I like Jill Brenner being in there because like we got a person of color that needs to be in there playing, you know, the Pharaoh, uh, an appropriate like not some whitewashed, you know, Pharaoh. Yeah. No, but he was he was great though. I like when he comes down from the mountain after he spoke to God and he's like, uh, he spoke to my mind and his word was God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Al. That was so good. I love that movie. It's a it's yeah. an Easter tradition, so the, yeah. The yeah. Family too. Yeah. Oh, I used to. I just I haven't in a while, but I used to watch all the time. Love all that. I watch anything with Gil Brenner in it though. Um, I, I like I like how we had all this this whole conversation that we just got stuck on the Ten Commandments for a second. Why the fuck not? Yeah, might as well since, since we talking about all again all the religious shit out of here. Let's just throw some yeah. Moses yeah, let's in just there. Put it all in there and mix the it Moses. up. Just, there you go. Let's talk Moses about Cleopatra ever. next because that was the next year. So yeah, let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah, cool. that movie. Ooh. So. On that so. note, uh, I guess we'll do reviews. Um, I am giving this a 9.5 out of 10 lucky shots to the balls. Um, <laughs> I'm actually really wide foot. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually I was so impressed with this, and and I, I feel like <laughs> uh, I I just uh. I, I'm sorry that I, you know, it was, like, on my list, but I just had never quite gotten around to it. Uh, like I say, like, uh, every once in a while, my therapist, because I've been through so many, but finally found a good one um, after 30 years. But, um, yeah, they would always give me, maybe take breaks from horror. So sometimes I would miss shit, and then I would have to catch up on it. So we'll go on the infamous candy list, and sometimes I just don't get to it because I have just so much to catch up on from those breaks, which I don't take those breaks anymore. I said, fuck you. I'm not doing it. My, my therapist now is like, no, it's healthy for you. It helps you. And I'm like, thank you. Oh my God. I'm only 41. And we're just now figuring this out. Thank you. Um, it does help me, but yeah, so this was one of those I missed. Um, and I'm just really glad that, that Erica brought this one on to our attention to talk about. Um, it was such a, an interesting experience. I can't wait to uh, experience it again. I was a little doped up when I watched it, and that kind of actually added a little bit of, uh, a, a, like, because I was kind of, like, in and out. Like, I wasn't sleeping, but I was just kind of, like, in this dreamy state because I was in, like, a lot of pain that night. And it kind of really added to the film, to be honest with you. Like, gave it a nightmarish, not real kind of feeling. And that's so... I, I suggest getting inebriated and watching this film. It, it's really um, Max like okay. <laughs> got I'm, you, fam. I'm there. Yeah, but that added to it. But I, I just I know that sober me would love it too. Uh, painless me uh, when we get there is gonna love it. So I'm gonna revisit this a lot. Um, and you know I'd, I'd love to have this conversation again for maybe a possible live show later on because we are 
um, going to be redoing a film that we did not rate early in season two live um, here in a couple weeks. And we're going to actually rate it this time. So we can revisit films. And I would this would be a good revisit in about a year. Ooh, and I wasn't there for that one, correct? Yeah, so now we get Mac in and we're going to actually rate the film. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, Motherfucking party, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, 9.5 out of 10, lucky shots of the balls. Uh, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Loved it. Um, so I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 black crayons. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's a very smart film. Um, the effects in it were great. Of course, K&B, uh, you can't go wrong with them, especially I think this was like the, the height of their, their uh, effects chops. Um, yeah, they were superstars at that time. Yeah, the uh, the acting choices in this were great. Although I would have loved to have seen a Rutger Hauer, mm, uh, yeah, Kane. Um, but all in all, I think the film was was fantastic. Um, love H.P. Lovecraft. I love the friendly um, tongue in cheek jabs at Stephen King. Um, you know about Sutter Kane outselling Stephen King and, yes. and things like that. You know because. Nobody you know, can do that. <laughs> he and John Carpenter are buddies, and and uh, uh, this was something interesting I learned about it, the similarities between this and Stephen King's uh, Crouch End, um, and you know it wasn't it wasn't based off of it or influenced by it, but there's just some very you know unique similarities. And I think that's the where two. they. You can tie in H.P. Lovecraft influencing others. Yeah, because so he influences influence Stephen, Stephen King, King. Very, very heavily, yeah. So, yeah, all in all, great film. Uh, nine out of ten black crayons. Rob? Um, I want to give it a ten out of ten uh, splashes of Vigo's brains on the wall. <laughs> Vigo. Yeah, them brains hit the wall like blah, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is a uh, may not be my favorite Carpenter, but it's right up there. Um, I, I disagree with everyone who thinks this is one of his weaker efforts. I think this is one of his strongest efforts. Um, his probably his most underrated effort when you think about it. Um, yeah. I, I loved uh, Sam Neill. I think uh, Sam Neill is is a fantastic lead. Like his his. His maniacal laugh at the end is is chills me as much. Uh, I I love it so much. Um, Julie Carmen is great in the film. Uh, I agree with Eric on that she doesn't get enough credit. Uh, uh, Jurgen Prock now. Uh, uh, Rucker would have been cool, but I, I think he probably would have been too creepy for what they were going for. You needed somebody that was a little level with the creepiness. Uh, Howard. And it's a tip off. Yeah. It lets you know immediately. Oh, Rucker Howard's in this. He's gonna be the bad guy. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, that's true. Right, it's right. Like when when Ed Harris shows up in a movie, you're like, okay, well that guy's secretly bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That that's what I call the Patrick Kilpatrick school of villainous acting. When uh yeah. when you when you see a specific actor in the movie, you just know they're gonna be a prick in it. You know. He's gonna die. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. These are the rules. Also, like like I said, uh, we talk about Charlton Heston, Bernie Casey, also David Warner as uh, David Warner, yeah. yeah, he's great, and uh, John Glover as the asylum d- director. Uh, that hair, he had yeah, hair. yeah. I, I, I I love how John Glover seems to like always be in on the assignment and know exactly what the 
to go for with the he, he it's like he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in mm-hmm. where yeah. you know the moment you see him like yeah he gets it immediately yeah. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have to even speak you could just look at him like he gets it he gets it right just to be a character actor yeah a- absolutely he, he's one of the most underrated i love john glover <laughs> um yeah and of course uh can be like you know the stuff they did in this movie is just phenomenal like the, the creature effects work is just so bizarre so disturbing like the the fucking thing that's coming out of the back of sutter kane's like head yeah. and back and yeah. stuff as they're kissing is just fucking just Ugh. But, so but it looks but it looks so great you know and it does. yeah and of course the tentacles coming out of miss Pittman, you know it's it's all it's all yeah it's, it's such a fantastic movie and and it's one of my my favorite carpenters like i said and uh yeah uh 10 out of 10 splashes of Vigo's brains on the wall <laughs> nice uh mac i'm gonna follow suit with my brother and give it a 10 out of 10. What is up with Linda and her glasses? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. Like, yeah, I don't know what she was doing with those things. But I'm a simple man. Like, you know, I like movies that make me think and tickle the brain. So that's why this is simple for me to give it a 10 out of 10. Because if I didn't, then I wouldn't like you know like what I like you know, so mm-hmm. ten out of ten Linda and her crazy ass glasses. <laughs> Very succinct, uh, Erica. I am going to give this ten out of ten mass extinction events. <laughs> um, this is my favorite John Carpenter film. I never get tired of watching it. There's always just something new to think about. Um, I, I love how, um, oh, by the way, I forgot to recommend this book earlier. I mistakenly thought this was part of the Cultography series. It's part of the Devil's Advocate series. So this one is uh, by Michael Blythe, and it's a very in-depth analysis of this film. That's where I found out about um, uh, the Land of Laughs book that inspired In the Mouth of Madness to an extent. But I love the fact that it references so many literary works, um, even shitty literature like L. Ron Hubbard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gonna, that dig in again. Uh, <laughs> and there's like just so it's just so thought provoking, but it's also eye candy. Like I love the the cinematography in this. I I just love the the stylishness of it and uh, the the practical effects as well. And this is kind of from that time period that was like at the tail end of practical effects and movies being shot on 35 millimeter film instead of digital. And it just has a really great look to it. Um, it does. So, yeah. Henson, my very biased opinion, 10 out of 10. Um, Ryan. I'm going to give it seven out of 10 uh, split retinas. Uh, this is, this is quality carpenter. Uh, I think that doing meta there's a reason why it's it rarely ever works because it's really hard to do. And if anything, uh, in the mouth of madness sticks the landing, it gets like the end is a gut punch. It is absolutely yeah. a gut punch of fuck you, I'm out, peace, just walking out, <laughs> telling it's a scorched earth Vietnam War approach to making horror movies. And we don't do that nearly enough, especially now. Uh, I think that it has its issues, but uh, most of the issues that it has 
are easily overwhelmed by what it does right. Absolutely. Uh, Dave? So I'll give it a 10 out of 10 three-legged dogs. Uh, yeah. Because that that scene that because that's a callback. You know, you see the kids chasing the dog early on, and mm. you think you know. Okay, we're going to see the kids beating the dog to death. I wasn't expecting the dog to come back missing a leg, and like the kids to have like blood running down their mouth. It's like yeah. okay, did not see that coming. And I love when um, Sam Neill, I'm watching it right now, he sits down in the theater. He's got a big tub of popcorn. Like, the world has ended, but a motherfucker still got his popcorn. I just <laughs> love that. I, lo- I just love John Carpenter's sense of humor. He's so he's so uh, nihilistic. He, he's not a big fan mm. of the yeah. human race, apparently. Um, no. Who is? Just, it, it's hard just, to be. It's hard to be a fan. It's hard. But, you know, it's the only one we got, man. But, uh and it, it just this film, I think, um, exudes that in in a lot of ways. That, I think maybe that's why I'm more of a fan of his more sort of simplistic uh, monster piece of the thing and, and and the fog and and Halloween. Although you can analyze those two, I'm sure. But um, we will be having fun. a month of John Carpenter talking about uh, yeah. those films and a crossover with Action Junkies on one of his films. So, the, but this movie is my a lot of Carpenter of his, coming up. Um, sort of. Of his more think pieces. This is my favorite of his like think pieces. Uh, yeah. It's it's very deep. It's funny. It's nasty. It's nasty, uh, and I like that. Mean. I like, uh, mm-hmm. I like a little bit of that John Carpenter nastiness towards the rest of us. I, I kind of tiptoe between this one and Prince of Darkness as one of like you know his think pieces. One which have one? To go. I know the I know the Prince of Darkness. I've got this friend Tom who is the biggest John Carpenter fan, and he's always talking about the Prince of Darkness. I need to go back and revisit that one. Uh, too. I, I love Prince of. I love it holds up so much, yeah. It really uh, holds up. Yeah. yeah. Donald Pleasance, right? Yep. Except, except uh, Jameson Parker's mustache, but I'll get into that when we discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of Carpenter coming up uh, soon. No, I, I'm so looking forward and to And we're going to have a, a oh solid one of it, and then a little bit more, even. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. To I love him. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just so glad that we were able to have this conversation. Um, it's it's really made me think more, and I definitely need to go and already revisit it. Um, I see why Erica loves it so much, and I'm really glad that she suggested it. And um, speaking of Sam Neill, uh, we are going to be doing Event Horizon next. Oh my God, yes. yes. <laughs> so that that'll be that'll be an interesting conversation as well. Um, so yeah, but this was, this is definitely going to be added to my collection. I, I'm just so glad that I, I've seen it and I'm sorry that I put it off so long, you know, it was just kind of just sat on the list, you know, but it's and knocking them off one by one here. That's, that's twice in a row. We, we put you on to something. <laughs> yeah. It is. No, but I've mentioned before, that's why I love being on here is you learn stuff. You learn other people's point of views. You learn things about movies you didn't know or movies you didn't know. I love that. I don't want to watch. I mean, I do want to watch the same shit over and over again. But like the Lord of the I Rings, do, but I but love. I love learning about new stuff or seeing old stuff from a perspective I didn't, you know, see it from before. Well, and that's the beauty of having these conversations is sometimes yeah. it's just a movie we've seen 50 times, but once we talk about it, you you think of it completely different by the end of the conversation. Or maybe you're like, I need to rewatch that. I need it. I didn't notice that. I didn't think about that. You know, and that's that's the yeah. beauty. So many movies I came and think I was going to rate lower, and then by the time we're done, it's much more. I can't tell you how many times we've done movies and my rating has changed in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I better bump that up. Um, and, uh, and I didn't think about yeah, that. 
Yeah. We call that the Wishmaster syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it's the reverse Wishmaster because mine usually go up. Mine don't usually go down. Mine usually uh, start pretty low and then they build up, or or they stay low if you if nobody can convince me. I'm still holding a grudge from Hard Rock Zombies, but I'm going to try to get over it. Listen, I, I, I thought I thought it was being whimsical, and then I was like, I, I was trying to add just a little bit of like really trashy, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't even know at this point. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, we're gonna get through this. I'm I'm so sorry about it. I will I will forever be sorry. That's what um, families do. They work through shit. Yeah, we, we got to work through that one in therapy, but yeah. Yeah. Then we got stuck with the video dead too. Listen, oh. I'm just trying to like just throw some stuff out there, titles that people don't talk about, and I I. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. And yeah. so I thought but, I was being like brash and innovative and I was just being really stupid. I, I and, th- I, th- and I hated myself. I, th- I think I think homegirl Rebecca never came back because of how much she was a genuine fan of that movie and we oh, tore it the know fuck what? off. I, yeah, because she never we, we bonded and then after that episode, like we never spoke again. We all wow, killing dreams. I was yeah. talking about my first chainsaw from play school and <laughs> all kinds of mean shit. But I'm the one that picked the movie. I was just like, people should talk about it. And I guess she thought I was going to praise it. I'm like, no, you're new here. You don't know about us. Yeah, we're very diverse, you know, so we have a difference of opinions on the Yeah, but when a movie sucks, there's just that bad, especially. Like, there's just, we're going to, I think I I fucked up. I talked about mirrors for like 15 minutes about who the fuck. Yeah, Yeah, that was. I knew when she first announced herself on the podcast as, as. She did the direct-to-video podcast or something like that, and I'm like, oh god, Uh-oh. she's gonna love yeah. this movie. And she, oh. and but when we were doing our rating, she got real quiet, and then she oh, never no. spoke to me again. That's why she hasn't been back. I think she hates me, actively hates us. She actively. <laughs> hates us. It, wasn't, it wasn't that fault. You tried to be, you know, like nice to the movie and shit. We all, everybody else, fucking hated it. <laughs> I I tried to be nice to it, but. I mean, Sometimes. I will. Hold on, I, I will. I will give it a, a one um, good uh, good thing about it. It's better than Hard Rock Zombies. Yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty it, fucking it, easy to do. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. I was about to say something really rude, but I'm I'd, not gonna. I'd rather fuck a toaster. <laughs> See, I, he said the rude like, thing. I was gonna say something rude, like. Well, um, <laughs> get fucking brains out. I don't know, man. <laughs> Take the mirrors and just like, I don't know. To quote Marion Snow, I'd rather castrate myself with blunt rocks. I would really almost do rather anything else. <laughs> in the grout in the tiles with a toothbrush. Yeah, that was, uh, that it was, was hard. That was, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad to... that this is a simulation, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is all a simulation. This is the best they could come up with. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's very bad. I want my money and back. Made a simulation where I'm like, I'm like rich and successful and good looking. Hey, hey, just, that. just, right? just, just, just look at this. You know, what I'm saying that the, all the times, like you know, in planes of existence, and we exist at the same time as my boy Mac over here. No shit. That's right. I am Munching on ices, bro. What flavor is that? Cherry, nigga. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> Sherry nigger. Wait, what? That was a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a flavor. It's so good. I dare you to leave that fucking shit in. <laughs> I think he should. Yo. Going to. Oh my God. That, you had the hard R and everything. I, I gotta like, leave it in. Oh. Man, I had that on my notes here, and I didn't say it the whole time. <laughs> right. Trying to, try to figure out how to work it in. I try not to say it all the time, all right? <laughs> oh, but this, oh. But this cherry's so good. I'm sorry. Let me let me say Let me say, like, I, I try not to say it, uh, but, you know, growing up with him in, in Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying, with our boys, it was it just became a part of my vernacular. But I try not to say it because it's in a it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate for me to say, but uh, out of recording. You me the lesson about bitch, okay? Because, like, I call everybody bitch. Like, bitch the people I love, especially. I'm like, what? Bitch, please. Or, like, what? Right. Like, what? I use it as like, well, like, bitch. Like, what? On, but I would never say that to somebody I didn't oh. like. I would never say that to somebody I didn't love. That's just how we talk. We're like, bitch, what? Oh, my God. And you <laughs> told me how offensive it was. I was like, Oh, no, no, no. Like, here, here's the thing. Like, uh, when I mentioned it, I wasn't offended at all because I knew that's how uh, that's not I knew that's how you, you, you didn't you didn't mean it like that, per se. You know what I'm saying? Of course not. It was just that uh, I was just like, <laughs> you were educating me and I appreciate that. No, it was it was it was more like uh, you get away with it, you know, because I usually don't let people get away with it. But yeah, uh, I, I love I, you. So you get away with know, it. I didn't know that it had a different meaning because like that's how like me and my family. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I talk to oh, my mom and I'm like, what's up, bitch? Or be like, oh my god, you're ooh. such a whore or, or hooker or no, you know. I, I no. respect that, Rob. How many times have but I that, told? That's our word as feminists. Like we use those words we, as feminists. You know, taking it back. See, that's that's where the partition comes in because uh, I I can never do that to my mom. I get a hole punched in my motherfucking face and shit. Oh my god, that's believe that. But see, yeah. it, it's a feminist <laughs> thing because it's sort of like you know the reclamation of a a, a derogatory term and using it. it as a position of power. Like, Erica knows what I'm talking about, right? We, we yeah, that, that's why I call a lot of women cunts. Yeah, like cunts. You know, like, that's <laughs> our word. Oh, you me too. It, but, like, we can <laughs> say it because it's our word. Yeah, and you can't Matt's use it call. badly against me because I'm going <laughs> to fucking use it as a power word, you right. know? But no, when but I say, when I call somebody bitch, it's usually a term of affection. I'm like, bitch. I call my cats whores. I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, do. that's because they are. They are. Yeah, Absolute they're, slut. they're known for being promiscuous as a species. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> they're all sluts. It's fine. You can call them that. Yeah. No, no but I, I bring that up because uh, uh, over on the Action Junkies, me and Mac have recorded. Oh, uh, it's a no-no, bro. Right, what you call it? But here's the Straight thing. get fired. Yeah, me and Mac recently did a Mortal Kombat double feature episode where we did Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, and at least out of 30 episodes we recorded, I actually fucked up and I dropped it. Uh-oh. It was bound I, to happen. That's a thing. Yeah. I was talking I was I was talking about the you could cut this all out, Sean. I I was talking about uh Johnny Cage doing the nut punch on the Goro side. I was like, yeah, this nigga did the split. Oh Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> did you leave are you gonna leave it in? Did you leave it in? I did not leave it in, no. Oh, no, I sure didn't no. I, 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 he don't got the balls, bro. No, because it, it's inappropriate. And uh Max said it like Three times afterwards, and I cut them all out too. <laughs> you know, once he let it fly. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's that's wholly inappropriate for me to be saying. So, I try to cut it out of my. Oh, that's uh, all I, we said growing up. I know. That's why I'm it's trying to cut it. Our word. I know, but it's highly inappropriate for me to be saying. It's it's a highly appropriate. That's why I don't. That's I why give I don't you say your it. black card. You can. <laughs> 
No, I've had, I like right. No, uh, right. no D. No, remember back in the day, D gave it to me. He said, "You you're not Puerto Rican. You just a right. white." Right. So. So so uh uh. It. it was just it's just wholly inappropriate. So I don't say you're it. You're inappropriate. So on this subject, uh, Rob, you want to plug stuff? Sure. Um, you can find us at the Action Drunkies. The, we just dropped our uh, big, our biggest episode yet, our Mortal Kombat, uh, coming at over to our, our first over two hour episode. The, Girls, yeah. We're catching up to you, Sean. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. At least we do the, our our crossover. They live like that's gonna be like a fucking extravaganza. Yeah, most definitely. The, yeah, that was a, a a headache to edit because I had to edit it in like one day. Uh, he does it in a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. I meant to ask Sean about that. Do you uh, do you sit there and do it on one sale or you periodically take breaks? Well, so here's the thing. Um, I was editing on my desktop, and so. I mean, that's why I can't I can't do these calls for my desktop because it's such a piece of shit. So I have to do it all in one sitting because I'm afraid if I don't, something will fuck up and I'll lose it. Right. But I've just I've got all I just moved all my editing software to my laptop now. So now I can edit on the fly. And so now I'm gonna I'm probably gonna break it up into into pieces. Yeah, because I, I, I can't sit there and do it once and I lose my fucking mind, so I'll go up and I take breaks and all that shit. But I like to I like to do it like between days and stuff, you know, but uh, I had to do that shit in like one fucking day, both both hours of the show, the episode, and it was just a fucking nightmare and I never wanted to do that shit and again. And we had a few niggas to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> they, thanks, Mac. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, Action Drunkies. Uh, you can find uh, Action Drunkies on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find me as the Cinema Drunkie on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, what else do I have to fucking promote? Oh yeah, shout out to Mike. Uh, my I've I recorded my final episode of uh, Atkins Undisputed. Uh, that that will be premiered. Well, it will have already premiered by the time this episode is released. Uh, we'll talk about Ninja 2, Shadow of a Tear, uh, over at Atkins Undisputed. My favorite Scott Atkins movie. And so that, there's that. Um, shout out to my boy Michael Cook over at Hit Rewind. Um, my boy Jay and Ron over at Film Strip uh, Podcast. Um, shout out to Larry. Shout out to Larry because I forgot to shout out Larry last time. Yeah. And, uh, Larry's been very supportive. Yes, yes, Larry. Larry's the best. Larry's the best. Uh, I like Larry's that he be- appreciates my scent descriptions. Yes, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Larry, Larry. What I like about Larry is that he actually gives you feedback on on the, the shows that he listens to. Yeah, I was straight I, up like, I will judge a motherfucker by how they smell. <laughs> he was like, describe smells. I was like, all right, dude, I got you. Thank you. I've been waiting for this question my entire life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, also, shout out to, to to my boy Lee Golden over at Film Combat Syndicate, who who just recently uh, lost his sister. Uh, oh. She she passed away, so shout out to Lee and RIP to his sister, oh. Isis. Um, he's going through, but like he's getting back into it now. And uh, Lee's a good guy, so yeah, uh, shout out to him. Uh, my boy Matt Seri, uh, Chris Barreras. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your last name right. Um, Oh, all my, all our people is over at the uh, Action Twitter and and the uh, the Action Undisputed Discord that that we we chill in. Um, yeah, we're 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 a fun bunch and uh, yeah, the 
I, I'm kind of fucking losing it right here over there, so I'll pass it along. <laughs> I'm I'm done. <laughs> okay, uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next, I guess. As my uh, awesome brother over here did such a well job that I'll just spend the time thanking our fans that listened to us over here at the at the horror shows. You know what I mean? And uh, Mike over at Atkins Undisputed. All you guys, I love y'all. I have a fun time doing this, and. Uh, yeah, keep pitching me some movies I haven't seen. Oh, we got plenty coming your way. <laughs> I'm ready. That schedule, the schedule, the ever-growing schedule. <laughs> um, Dave? Yeah, okay, so you can find me here, and I'm excited because on Sunday I'm recording Night of the Living Dead with Ian from um, Behind the Screams, and I'm yeah, fucking nervous. Time. I'm so fucking nervous. No, you know, nothing I mean, to be nervous about. You've uh, talked to Ian so many times. Of all the movies on earth, that's the one I'm probably the most familiar with. But I've listened to their, you know, I've listened to their podcast too to kind of, and they were so good. And I'm just afraid I'm going to sound like, uh, it's a really cool movie. Yeah, I don't know. What <laughs> no, you won't. You won't. Actually, Ian lets you do most of the talking, and uh, he's he's that. really chill. I mean, <laughs> Ian and I, every time I do a show with him, we talk for like two extra hours just talking. So he's anyway, how Ian is. It's, it's, you're going to be quiet. I'm looking forward to that. That that movie is like sort of the ground zero of my horror fandom. Because uh, like like I mentioned last week, I'm the only one of us who was actually alive when it came out. So, <laughs> that and the moon landing, I was there. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, um, and hopefully, I won't make a total ass of myself like you'll I do most you times. You won't. You'll be fine. And I know that Ian is going to get around to getting to everybody on the show. Um, I know he's. He and I are both, like, scheduling whores. Like, you know, we're just, like... I, I feel like I can say that because we both say that we're loud bitches to each other. So, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're both on top of our schedule. So, I know that he's trying to work everybody in from the show here. So, and, um, of course, they will be back on the show here. Um, Erica? Uh, you can find me at myhorrificlife.com and on Instagram at myhorrificlife. Um, but mostly here. And I love everyone on the show, and big thanks to our listeners. Definitely. Uh, Ryan? Uh, at the moment, I have two podcasts, uh, a subjective history lesson through Mystery Science Theater called The Coolness Chronicles. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, I will probably have released an episode that I recorded last night with Deanna Rooney, who is uh, Dr. Donna St. Fibes on season 12. Uh, I... I'm really excited for people to hear it. If you like MST3K and you want to hear the fourth most popular podcast of that show, check out The Coolness Chronicles. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. That's nice. Uh, And the other podcast that I do at the moment is Reels of Justice, where we take a movie and uh, put it on fake trial to determine if it's guilty or innocent of being a bad movie. And we have a jury. We have a prosecutor. We have a defender. Uh, we have a uh, judge, and we've had a lot of MST3K veterans on there, from uh, Trace Blue and Frank Conniff to uh, Tim Ryder from the uh, most recent uh, version, and even the new uh, touring host, Emily Marsh. So check those out. Wherever you and find this awesome. podcast, you can find those shows. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I need to check some of that out. Um, I've heard some of the Coolness Chronicles, but um, yeah, I need to check out the other show. Um Sean and Dead? No. No. <laughs> Good, everybody. <laughs>
can you can find me on Instagram, uh, Shaun of the Dead. And shout out to Ian, Lucy, and Lindsay at Behind the Screams. And to all my lovely co-hosts here and all the fans, thank you. Yay. Um, as for me, I'm getting to be like Rob. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, how do I shorten this? See what I mean? Um, yeah, I do because I have like so much going on right now. And it, right, right. With my projects, I'm like, oh fuck, I, I'm gonna forget something. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. Okay. Um, first, uh, thank you to listeners. Um, we've we've got um, over three thousand followers on Twitter, which is at house underscore screams. That is moi handling that. Um, I do all of our socials. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page, The House That Screams Horror Podcast. Um, my Instagram is Candy the Final Girl. There's always a lot going on there. I do a lot of promos for the show, a lot of makeup uh, looks, have my own horror makeup line. Yes, it's horror themed, but it is beauty makeup. Um, and Eric and I are actually going to be collaborating um, on, on a couple projects for that. So it's going to turn into a, an Erica and Candy production, basically. <laughs> with final girl cosmetics so uh stay tuned for that um what am i missing oh uh shout out to behind the screams uh um oh and we have some interesting ghouls night out episodes coming up and we will be having guests and um on some of them won't just be eric and i although i think it's really awesome when we do them um but lucy and Lindsay will be joining us for the next one on the separate wives um, that's coming up. So we're going to actually have some, some other feminists on there to, uh, review, uh, a feminist horror film. And, uh, Lindsay called me queen candy of the house that screams today. That. So I was like, I'm the horror queen. Finally, it's my day. I feel like prom queen, but you know, I'm the horror queen, which I'd rather be. So, you know, that, that was, uh, that was awesome. She's, she's dear. And, uh, yeah, and Ryan will be coming back to join us for another John Carpenter film during our month of John Carpenter, uh, where we talk about the original Halloween. Stay tuned yes. for your month of Carpenter. I will be promoing the fuck out of that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Lots of guests. Lots of things. Uh, live shows. Uh, our Twitch is... That's what I forgot. Our Twitch is twitch.tv slash the house that screams. Um, stay tuned to my Instagram um, or our Twitter and Facebook because I will post when those shows are coming up. I'll usually post like a week or two ahead of time. So we got some really great ones planned. And uh, fuck, I think that's it. I hope to God it is. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We forgot one thing. Uh, shout out to our brother Nico who isn't here. Oh, God, yes. yes. I told you I forgot uh, something. And it's not like, you- Nico, I haven't forgotten you when you're listening to this because I know you do. Um, I, I'm sorry. Um, shout out to Nico. Love you. Yes. Uh, at El Jefe de Horror on Instagram. The boss. The, the mm-hmm. boss. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't be here, but uh, he is here at, uh, with us in, in spirit. Um, shout out to shout out to my bro over there. Yeah, yeah, we miss Nico. And I was I was a little distracted, Brian, because I'm looking at all the films you've done on that Reels of Justice, trying to figure <laughs> out which episode to start with. I would say either Ticks or Shape of Water. Shape of Water is the Ooh. high point, and it sucks that it was our fourth episode because we really peaked early. But oh, okay. it's so good. Oh okay. my god, what a good episode that is! Don't you hate it when that happens? <laughs> 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 early. 
<laughs> yeah. All the time. I, I see you did Fight Club, I and I hope you did it justice. Ooh, he he mentioned ticks. no spoilers, but I think you'll be quite pleased with how the verdict turns out on that one. All right. All right. I, uh, yeah, um, I, we'll definitely, definitely check some of that out. I definitely got to check. I want to check out that ticks one because I like ticks. <laughs> oh, well, then you don't want to listen to the episode. <laughs> it's all I'm good. It's all kind good. of like squirm. I really want to do squirm on the show, but I never put it on the schedule because I'm like these motherfuckers do not want to watch squirm. I do. I watch squirm all the time. I'm in. Listen, I'm in. I've never seen it, so. Oh my god, it's you going to be the worm face? Those like Ooh, angry yeah. Talk dirty to me, baby. I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting for Erica to watch the Untold story to see if she wants to go in with with me on pushing it for the show because uh I have I have a feeling that uh, uh Candy's gonna have some strong feelings about the Untold story because oh, can I have a hint why uh it it is it is pretty fucking harsh I, I I can't go into it without spoiling it but the Untold story is I would say I would say um I know you Man. have a strong I, I know you have a strong stomach but I think me Erica and Mac are probably the, the the ones that can handle it the most because it is really fucked up. I, I am know. in. You don't know. You don't know all the shit I'm into. <laughs> I, 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 that's why I said I, I don't. Please don't take offense, but that no, one. No, I mean, I mean, this time it's, it's like true crime shit that makes yes. my stomach turn because it's real. But yes. like when it comes to movies, I, 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 I watch gore films for fun and I eat while I do it. I mean, I guess I'm. Here's the thing though. The untold, well. Here's the thing though. The untold story is based on the true story, and and with that I in watch the movie, I can pretend it's not as long as it's like actors doing it. <laughs> it, 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 it is. It like is. The, yeah, there is there is a particular scene in the middle of it that is uh um it, it it's a it's a rape scene, but it's the probably the most harrowing one I've ever seen. Uh, you spit on your grave. Uh, it it's 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 it, the ending to it is pretty fucked up. Like even it. for me, it like I watched I watched it I watched it with die and she had to turn away like as a woman, like it 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 is it is highly disturbing, like seriously. So that that might now be. I'm intrigued. Okay. Look, yeah. he's pushing it for the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's a it's a, it's a, it's on Voodoo for free, uh Ooh. with with ads. So. I well, you need some commercials to break up the wildness. Yeah, the the thing about the thing about that one uh, on Voodoo is that the commercials come out of nowhere. They don't even like set you up. You know how like on Tubi you get the like ten, nine, eight, seven. Right. It just goes straight into fucking commercials. Yeah, like like what the fuck, man? Like because they know when. They're like, all right, right about now. Yes. I was in the middle of that motherfucker and just oh god. But yeah, that. Lobby for Visions of Suffering by Andrei Iskanov. The director's cut, not the 2006 original one, which he hates because he, it was just a clusterfuck of compromises that really messed up the whole film. But the final director's cut is brilliant. Also, yeah. not for everyone. It has real autopsy footage in it. It has mm-hmm. real fucking in it, which was not scripted. Just he has some friends. <laughs> Sean's face perked up. Oh, real fucking. <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> It, yeah, it wasn't like scripted. He just has some friends who don't have uh, any inhibitions and, you know, just get turned on during the process of filming and just go at it. So he's like, okay, I'll use the. Awesome. I've got a boner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me- Mac, remember our days of surfing rotten.com? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I remember rotten.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm there too. Yeah, yeah. The, the famous for a. 
Yeah, when we used to look up Tupac's uh, autopsy photos. Shotgun suicides and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, Yo, faces of death, man. We used yeah. to rent yeah, we, those we've had many on a like a weekly basis. Motherfucker, you're not getting me to watch that shit again. But it's so no. good. <laughs> so good. I don't want to watch like you actually oh, see Mac, Mac. the guy's hat like Mac. fly off his head when he gets shot Mac, in the dome piece. Mac, Mac, crazy. I'm, I'm, Mac, I, I'm, I, Mac, I'm glad you're here to back me up because I remember the first time that came up on this show, I was all by myself and they were talking about faces of death and banned from TV. It's like, oh yeah, that shit is sick. And Yo, I felt sometimes so the shots I felt so crazy. little and Dude, like holding the hostage and the team. cops like yeah. Sean was always you know, on your was, team. So no, but was, even Sean, even Sean said, like, "Oh yeah, that stuff is fucked up," and I was just like, "It oh, is." No, no, no. Me, me and Mac uh, used to throw watch parties for Faces of Death. Yeah, <laughs> he no, no, did no. too. We were, we were, we were eating pizza and watching Faces of Death. When I brought it up was when we did uh, the Dead Alive episode, and I said that I used to watch Faces of Death religiously and had no problem with it. But then the scene at, in Dead Alive where the fucking the pus and shit goes in the soup. Yeah, that made me sick as fuck. I was like, you're stupid. This is, like, not... <laughs> like, this is nothing. Right. Okay. I yeah, to, but for some I, reason, it just turned my stomach. Wait, right, I, I'm just going to let you know, like, Visions of Suffering is, like, a very arty film. It's, like, more like art house foreign film, so it's not like Faces of Death. Right. Just there's some real, like, atrocity footage in the opening credits because he doesn't like to do boring opening credit scenes. Yeah. This is like the most badass opening credit montage I've ever seen. Anyone I'm with it. Do. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I just I just want to point out Ryan looks like what the fuck have I gotten myself into with We're these people? Ryan. <laughs> He's just trying to end the show, but we never really can. We got we got three minutes. We got to get it to that two hour mark. I mean, right? <laughs> I just I as, as, be so bad. As we keep talking about like faces of death, Ryan just keeps like cowering behind the, the, the mic. <laughs> no, I just really gotta pee. Oh yeah. I was about to pee. So yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> once I get up, God, I'm gonna come back. So so wait, what am I hearing now? Faces of Death watch party? What's up? Take yeah, it back. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually never watched any of the Faces of Death movies. Should check it out. Be okay, but me, get some, I'm like, get some no. little Chardonnay, some popcorn, make a night of it. No, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it with you guys if we do a streaming party. Oh That's yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll roll I'll some up. You guys have to deal with me. He's like, he's like, I'm checking out. <laughs> Me and Dave oh. will be over there holding hands, like, oh. You guys was, can play rock. Well, I, mean, I, I remember Faces of Death when it was, you know, but that's nothing compared to the internet now. That was pre-internet, you know. Oh, I said Rob some I mean, videos the yeah, other day. I was just about to say oh, that. My God, bro. Like, it's like, nothing now. I was just you about want to, to send them to the group. I'll send them. Like, yeah. they're, they're they're crazy though. Yeah. Not in like sexual, not like that. It's yeah, murder, yeah. but that that's that's what that's what I was saying. That the, the the shit that you see that me and Mac be sending to each other outside of the chat, just between you and me, would probably make you think less of us. <laughs> I don't know. You should see the text yeah, on I send. Yeah, you send. And it's not sexual. You don't have to put them in group chat, but send them to me. I, I'll, I'll send. Them. Yeah, send them to Sean. Right I'm now, not so. I'm not a pussy. I can handle it. Okay. All right. So it's if it has anything group. to do with midgets, I don't want to see it. It's He's scared of midgets. Group. I'm incoming into the group. Give me a second. Like it's not stuff I look up for my own interest, but Andre's always sending me stuff like that. He's like, "Do you think this would be good in my film?" And it's like, once it's edited, sure. <laughs> and he's like, I, "But I never know what he's gonna send me. It could be a really cute cat video, there or it could go. be there some gang murder." There and it's go. like, I just don't know what it's I'm. It's a opening. surprise. The little surprises well, in life. Let's yeah. uh. 
let's cut this out so Ryan doesn't pee his pants. Yeah, I gotta pee too. And it's, it takes me a long time to walk. So. All right, you guys have a great right. night. Yeah, have good a good night. Good night. See you again for Halloween. Yeah. Um, you're probably like, God, these people exhaust me. But uh, <laughs> wear your depends next time. Oh. <laughs> All right, love Goodbye. you guys. Bye. Bye. We'll see you again soon. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.